We began a series a few weeks ago with the title, Terrific Tension. We're going to continue this series right up to Easter week. Today's message, the tension of pain versus praise. The story of wounded worshipers. We go back to what we shared two weeks ago. It's a story of Jesus with his friends. Jesus had friends. He had disciples, and then he had disciples who were friends. He had a particular family from Bethany. His friend was Lazarus. He had two sisters. Lazarus had two sisters, Martha and Mary. We are privy, John chapter 11, that his friend Lazarus became ill. Jesus, who was aware of the illness, received a message from his sisters, please come. Again, they followed Jesus. They saw miracles, signs, wonders. They were completely convinced of the power of God through Christ. So they sent him a message. If you show up, Lazarus, our brother, he will live. But if you don't show up, he's going to die. And what Jesus did, he with great intentionality did not show up. Whoa, that's not, that's not what friends do for friends. But he did not show up. Now, he was explicit. The reason why he delayed was for the purpose of showing everyone the glory of God. The purpose for the delay was to grow, amplify the miracle in such a way that many would come to believe. Now, it's, it, it, it seems like a crude process, but in the midst of that, there are a number of tension-filled truths that we want to uncover. Let me give it to you. John chapter 11, verse 20. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, because he said, I'm on my way, I'm, I'm en route, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Jesus told her, verse 25 now, you have to watch the encounter. One of the sisters runs out of the house, right? So Lazarus dies. They have this, this gathering in the home. One of the sisters hears, by the way, Jesus, who did not show up on time, is finally coming to town. So Martha leaves this gathering where people are mourning Lazarus. She leaves the funeral service, in essence, and she runs over to meet Jesus. They had this encounter, verse 25, an iconic verse that we just sang about. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? This is not Martha Stewart, by the way, another Martha. Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed, watch this, that you are the Messiah. You are the son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners. She went back and said, the teacher is here. He wants to see you. This is powerful. She, she, she encountered Jesus, met him, and then she goes back and tells her sister, Jesus is here. Verse 40, verse 40, Jesus responded, did I not tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? If you believe. Number one, the tension of worshiping while wounded. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. The pain of grief. They were in pain. Two sisters who loved their brother. The brother dies. They believed that if Jesus would have been there, he never would have died. The pain of grief. The pain of suffering. The pain of brokenness. Martha carried pain. She was broken 
Martha stood emotionally wounded, yet the moment she heard Jesus was near, she ran to him. The moment she received notice of his presence, she left the other mourners and ran towards him. Why? Martha knew the presence of Jesus changes everything. Martha, heart, Martha had hard questions that only Jesus could answer. Her dear brother died. The one that could have healed him did not show up on time. Yet instead of going on social media or texting her disappointment, instead of engaging in the deconstruction of her faith, she ran towards his presence. She was wounded, but she ran. She was in pain, but she ran. And when she encountered Jesus, she not only shared her pain, she gave him praise. Not only, she not only vented, which she did, but then she pivoted to worship. Let me prove it. If you would have been there, she began. She began with the grief, the pain. If you would have been there, and then she pivoted and she said, quote, because I know who you are. You, you. She arrived there to vent. You could have been there. You could have saved them and then pivot. His presence changes everything. And she says, I know who you are. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. In other words, even though I'm hurting, I know who you are. Even though I am broken, I know who you are. Even though I'm shattered, I know who you are. And who you are is worthy of all praise. Wait a moment. Martha never said, I thought you were the Messiah. But because you didn't show up, I no longer believe. I used to believe you were the son of God until you let my brother die. Nope. She never spoke in the past tense. She spoke present. I, my, my brother may be dead, but you're still God. My brother may be dead. I can't explain everything, but you're still the Messiah. And that's it right there, folks. Who will change the world? Christ followers, born-again believers, disciples of the risen Christ who know who he is even in the midst of their pain. Those who are certain of his identity, even in the midst of their suffering, this world will be changed by the manifest sons and daughters of God. Not those who think, not those who hope, not those that aspire or wish, but those that know that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. I dare you to open up your mouth, regardless or in spite of what you may be going through right now. And I dare you to shout right now, Jesus, I know who you are. Even if your entire family is yet to be saved, even if you're going through hell in your marriage, even if you got a bad medical report, even if your bank account is in front of you, even in all of that, I dare you to lift up your hand and say, I know who you are. There are bombs falling in Ukraine. Inflation is at a record-breaking number. There's threats of nuclear war. The world is falling apart. But I dare you to be the person on this Sunday morning, just like Martha, who says, I know who you are. Is there anybody here who can raise your hand and say, I know you are my savior. You are my deliverer. You are my healer. You are my rock. You are my redeemer. You are my going in. You are my going out. You are my purpose. You are my passion. You are my promise. And in the words of the apostle Paul, Jesus, you are my everything. Colossians 3.11, Christ is all that matters. Isn't that awesome? She, she came to vent and she ended up worshiping. 
She came to talk about her problem and she ended up praising him. It's, oh man, it's easy to worship when all is well. It is so easy to praise and get your praise on when everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Yet there exists a special group of people with that Martha sort of DNA who know that God is worthy of worship even when we're wounded. That God is worthy of praise even in our pain. Is there anybody here who knows what I'm talking about? Let me tell you what Job said, the oldest book in the Bible. Job said this, I came naked from my mama's womb. And I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had. And the Lord has taken it away. But nevertheless, bless be the name of the Lord. Woo. Habakkuk the prophet said this, even though the fig trees have no blossoms. And the days where there are no grapes on the vines, even when the, uh, the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, and when all the flock die in the field, and even when the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I wish there were a group of people who would say, even if the world starts falling apart, even if the bank account is empty, even if my family abandons me, even if I get fired tomorrow, even if everything turns upside down, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. <laughs> Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. Is there anyone here who knows what it is to give God glory, even with tears rolling down your cheeks? Is there anybody who has ever been there? Is there anybody there who went to vent and ended up praising? Is there anybody here like Martha who went, God, I can't believe you didn't, but oh, you're awesome. You're an amazing God. Yo, bless the Lord, all my soul. All that's within me, bless his holy name. The kind of people that worship God in the valley and on the mountaintop. That praise Jesus in the desert and in the promised land. That rejoice in God's promises through the process and in the outcome. That's, that's that kind of mm, Martha type people. Because we preachers have broken down Martha and Mary and they, they've attempted to create a dichotomy. How one is better than the other. How one ran out, the other stayed. The other one ended up. How one ended up putting perfume on in the next chapter. And they try to create a dichotomy that doesn't even exist. Martha did not stay in the house. Mom, I'm going to put this. Whoop. The brother died. The brother died. Two sisters. House is full of mourners. One sister gets a message. Jesus is coming to town. Jesus Christ is coming to town. Jesus is coming to town. She left the mourners. And she, it's not like she left and went like, let me try to catch up real quick. She ran. She ran. She ran. This is before Nike, Adidas. This is before any of that. She ran. Martha did not stay in the house. Martha, what were they doing in the house? One more time, somebody remind me. They were what? Martha did not stay in the atmosphere of mourning. She left her surroundings 
There are people like Martha that go through brokenness but don't stay in brokenness. They go through hell, but hell does not go through them. There are some modern-day people with Martha's faith declaring, my wounds will never stop my worship. Is there anybody here who will say, my wounds will never stop my worship? If this is you, repeat after me. My wounds are temporary, but my worship is permanent. My pain is for a season, but my praise is forever. See, hence the tension lies in the query of whether or not you will worship him with your wounds and praise him even in the midst of your pain. His story is not just about the resurrection of Lazarus. His story is about wounded worshipers. And this is what Jesus said about worshipers. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in John 4, 24. And when you worship in spirit and in truth, you worship even when you're wounded. When you worship in spirit and in truth, you worship even when you are in pain. When you worship in spirit and in truth, you worship even when Jericho's walls stand in your way. When you worship in spirit and in truth, you worship even when you're surrounded by the enemies of your purpose. When you worship in spirit and in truth, you worship in front of the giant that dares to mock you. When you worship in spirit and in truth, you worship even in the midst of a fiery furnace. When you worship in spirit and in truth, you worship inside the jailhouse right after you've been beaten. Because God, who you are, is greater than what I'm going through. Who you are is greater than my pain. Who you are is greater. Oh, are there any Martha-type worshipers in this house? Is there anybody here who knows what it is to approach him with an issue? and end up praising him for who he is. If that's the case, somebody here praise him like your pain can't stop you. Let me do it one more time. Praise him like your pain can't stop you. Praise him like your wounds will not define you. Praise him like the storm will not be your final chapter. All that have breath, all that have breath, are there any worshipers in the house here this morning? All that have breath. We got to hurry here. Number two, quickly, is the tension of belief even in the midst of brokenness. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Just believe. 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 I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God. I think, therefore I am. I pray, therefore I am. I worship, therefore I am. I believe, therefore I am. We are what we believe. Martha was broken, but she still what? Believed. Jesus, on multiple occasions, said, if you believe, you are what you believe. Tell your neighbor you are what you believe. Tell your other neighbor, the one that doesn't want you to tell you absolutely anything. Tell that neighbor, you are what you believe. You are what you believe. What do you believe? If you want to live out your God-ordained purpose, if you want to fill your assignment on this planet, if you want to live an abundant life, then you must believe. It's not about what you feel. It's about what you believe. It's not about what you hope for. It's about what you believe. It's not about a theory. It's about belief. It's not a hypothesis. It's, a, it, it's not a supposition. It's not theoretical. It's about belief. What do you believe? Not what you I don't give a holy hoot about what you feel. I want to know what do you believe. 
You must believe even in the midst of brokenness. She was broken, and yet she looked at him and said, I may be broken, but I still believe. That's wild. You must believe even in the midst of a face of a broken world. You must believe with everything going around this. You, more than ever, we must believe. This is what Jesus said about belief. Verse 40. Did I not tell you that you would see God's glory if you, if you what? Maybe you're not seeing God's glory because you're not believing. It's called causation. If you believe, you will see God's glory. I don't see God's glory in my family. What do you believe? I don't see God's glory in my circumstance. What do you believe? We have to be clear about what we believe. And I'm going to make this clear right now. I'm going to tell you what we believe. Because there's so much ambiguity right now out there. And this idea that, that everything could be deconstructed, everything could be broken apart, that, that nothing is solid, there is nothing eternal, that's a lie. And I'm not going to call it, and I'm, I'm not from this stage going to call it misinformation or disinformation. I'm going to call it a straight up lie. This political correct going around with misinformation, that's a lie. That's just a big complicated term for lying. No, there are things that are eternal. I'm going to tell you what we believe. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. And in this church, we believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. That he, that he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, that he was crucified, that he died and he was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day, on the third day, I said on the third day, on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. If you believe it, shout like you believe it. Lift up your hands. We believe in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it again. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that one more time. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Oh, this church believes in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that the church of God is special. And the gates of hell will never prevail against her. We believe in the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. If you believe that, raise your hands. Oh, stand with me. You are standing. We believe. Ooh. There are some derivative, tangential, itemized beliefs that we likewise include. We believe in this, we believe because it's scriptural. We believe that if we believe in the Lord Jesus, our homes will be saved. We believe that our children and our children's children will walk upon the ruins of what we bring down in our generation. We believe that the latter glory will be greater than the former. We believe that Jesus still saves. Jesus still delivers. He is still healing. And I know it's hard for y'all something to believe it, but we still believe that Jesus is coming back. Anybody here believe that with me? I dare you to high-five your neighbor. Tell them, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. We believe that all, I said all, I said all, 
All of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. We believe in the God of the impossible, Luke 1, 37. That what is impossible for people is possible with God, Luke 18, 27. That anything is possible if a person believes, Mark 9, 23. Uh, see, if you believe it, it is possible. That's what Jesus said in him. If you believe it, it is possible. Here it is. Your future is contingent on your faith. Your future is contingent on your faith. What about my future? What about your faith? What about my future? What about your faith? I'm, what's going to happen next year? What do you believe today? Ooh. You're standing with me. Are there any questions? It's, it's having the audacity, this is all Martha, having the audacity to worship while you're wounded. To go vent, you're going to end up praising. Because his presence changes everything. The fact she never said, I used to believe. She said, no, I, I, I still believe. I know who you are. My brother may be dead, but you're still the son of God. You're still Jesus. You're still the Messiah. Yeah, you're still it. Yeah, I can't explain what happened here, but you're still it. Like, who does that? Wow. Oh, man. And then he said, all you got to do is believe. And this, this, as you stand, this is, this is kind of crazy. This is a final little nugget, 30 seconds here, the tension of rescuing others from perpetual grief. She did not just say, oh, Jesus, you just changed my atmosphere. Let me go get a Starbucks. The Bible says she went back and, and she returned to Mary. She tells Mary, the teacher is here. So Mary went. Mary ran and told her sister. Mary ran and told Martha ran and told Mary. Martha ran and Mary went and told Jesus that Mar well, you, because Martha went and got Mary. So she came out. They all came out. and be Why would Martha just not go get a drink? Why would Martha not just go on social media with her blessing? Martha, Martha, Jesus, you change everything. Let me go get Mary. Hey, Mary. Mary, I know you're crying now, but guess who's here? Mary, I know you're broken, but guess who's here? Mary, I know you're surrounded by a bunch of mourners, but guess who's here? So the moment Mary heard that Jesus was there, Mary did the same thing. And Mary, she ran because healed people heal people. I said healed people heal people. Restored people restore people. Because redeemed people want everyone else to be redeemed. People that legitimately encounter the presence of God, they want everyone to experience the presence of God. You cannot tell me you encountered God and then keep it to yourself. Stop, time out, this is Discipleship 101. One of the greatest proofs that you had a legitimate encounter with Jesus is that you can't keep it to yourself. This is a bit controversial, but if you tell me you're a born-again Christian and you've never let anyone know that Jesus is your Lord, you may not be a born-again Christian because there's no such thing as private Christianity. You, 
Christianity by its very definition is never private. There was a poll that came out this week that said the vast majority of Americans, they believe their faith should be kept private, never to be shared. It's a personal thing. No, heavens no. In this church, we're not going to keep this thing private. We're going to run to every Mary in the world. Hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. Jesus is waiting for you. I'm so wired today. Christianity prompts you, provokes you to go back home and tell everyone in your home that Jesus is there. Stop trying to hide your faith. Stop trying to hide your relationship with Jesus. If it's real, it's public. If it's... I had a friend growing up in high school. I had a friend who, my God, oh man, God bless gullibility. But I had a friend in high school who, who would look at me and say, yo, hey, Sam, that, that girl in the cheerleading squad, hey, hey, Sam, she said, she said yes. And I went, she said yes? Yeah, yeah, but she gave me a condition. She says we're going to be dating, but no one can know. I looked at him and said, come here, man. <laughs> Say that again. Yeah, she said, and I, we're, we're going to be dating, but no one could know. And I went, like, for a day? She went, no, that's the way she's just going to function. Like, no one could ever know. Ever? That's a long time. And you're okay with this? Yeah, because in school, like, oh, by the way, she told me, like, in, in lunchtime in the cafeteria, not, not to sit at her table, not to look at her. But that after school, that we would meet in a certain, but no one could know. I got news for you, man. <laughs> if someone is hiding it. If you're hiding it, then you're ashamed of it. If you're hiding it, then you're not really into it. But the moment you let everyone know, Jesus is my everything. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Look at your neighbor. Tell him, go public. Tell him, go public. Go public. Go public. If it's real, it's public. If it's real, you share it. If it's real, you can't keep it to yourself. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, Romans 1.16. If you got this word, raise your hand. I mean, if you really got it, raise both hands. This is a crazy story of a woman who lost her brother. Jesus could easily have showed up and healed him, but he didn't when she wanted to. And she went to that and ended up going, you, you're, you're the son of the living God. Yeah, I know who you are. Even in the midst of pain even in the midst of brokenness, even when we have question marks. That's what faith does. Even when we don't have all the answers, I know who you are. You're God. You are the Messiah. You're everything. And I'm going to still rejoice in you. 
I'm going to worship you even when I'm wounded, when I can't explain it all. My pain, my pain will never stop my praise. And my wounds will never thwart my worship because you are worthy of it all at all times in all circumstances. If you got this word, all of it, now give him the best shout of praise you've given him today. Tell your neighbor Jesus changes everything. Look up here for a second. As a church, we're going to create an atmosphere. We're going to continue to sustain an atmosphere where men and women, where young people have an encounter with the presence of God. We have to be the kind of church that people show up here and experience the power of God. There has to be an encounter that will mark them forevermore. 20 years from now, they're going through a storm. They're going to remember, but I can't deny the day. I was at New Season in Sacramento, and I, I, the presence of God filled me and marked me in such a way that I can't deny it. I lived it. That's the kind of church we need to be, where we're just, we create an atmosphere where people have an encounter with Jesus, just like Martha and Mary had an encounter with Jesus, that will mark them for years to come. In Jesus' name, all right. All right. Find your tithing and your offering quickly. I'm going to call you out here in a second. Find your tithing and your offerings. Lift them up quickly. This is just, I sense an anointing. I'm going to even tell you how much of an anointing I sense right now. We're going to do something, we call it Holy Week. Holy Week is coming up, which is the Easter week, right? That week is coming up. And that April 11th or 17th, I just called an audible in the green room. This just happened out of this message driven by the Holy Spirit. So traditionally, we have a service on Wednesday, one on Good Friday, and one on Sunday. It's like the most packed out service of the year. Everybody comes out. It's pretty amazing. So, but I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, just you go. If y'all sh show up and create room for me, I will show up. God's Spirit, an encounter with the presence and the power of God. So be, we're, we've never done this before. Uh, starting that Monday, Monday, that week, Monday, we're going to begin Monday and we're going to gather here, and all we're going to do is go deep into worship and just prayer and worship and just come, come Holy Spirit, do your thing. And we're just going to go deep in God's presence. I'm inviting you to join me Monday. Tuesday, our Spanish ministry has a service. Wednesday, we have our table midweek service for Holy Week, which is powerful. It's, we put out the, 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 the entire, if you were here last year, it was amazing. That went viral around the world. It really did. Millions of impressions. We're going to do it with new revelations. Thursday, we come back and we pray. At 7 o'clock, we're going to be praying and worshiping. We're just going to worship. Go deep in worship. We're going to pray. Friday is Good Friday. And then Sunday, resurrection. We're going to spend the week in the presence of Almighty God. <laughs>